thrillers, chillers, and chicks. everyone and welcome back to thrillers chillers and chicks i am your host hannah and i'm your other host erica and we are very excited to bring you a special valentine's day episode Mm. this week Uh, (laughs) now valentine's day i gotta say is probably one of my least favorite holidays (laughs) because it's just it's just plain rude if you're single and if you're dating someone I mean I've never dated someone over Valentine's Day but I can imagine it'd be a lot of pressure to just be cute uh I don't think I've ever dated anyone like like Valentine's Day has never come and I've been like with someone but a lot of times something like I'll be in a relationship if I wasn't in a relationship flanking Valentine's Day so like I'll have dated someone before and then I get broken up with like you know near the beginning of February or whatever or Valentine's Day has passed and suddenly I'm talking to someone and I'm like cool great so I'm just never gonna get chocolates or a cute bear no that's how it always happened to me too I would always either like break up right before Valentine's Day or like start talking to someone after Valentine's Day I will say though I feel so bad for my future partner because (laughs) my this is one thing I do love about Valentine's Day is ever since I was a wee small baby my dad has gone out of his way to do something special for Valentine's Day for me my mom and my sisters and when I say special I mean like town-wide scavenger hunt oh wait I remember that yeah I think you did it with me my freshman year college he still he was like two states away he still managed to set something up and Erica and I were like following the clues and he'd called in like a gift certificate at this pizza place near the school and that's where the scavenger hunt ended so and one day I remember I was like probably like 10 or 11 I said daddy why do you always you do all these big things for Valentine's Day that's so nice but like that's a lot of work. Why do you do all that? And he goes, I want your husband to never measure up. <laughs> I'm setting the bar and no one will defeat me. Thank He's you. like, if your husband doesn't reach this bar, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't be your husband. He belonged be to the streets. Ex-boyfriend, which I appreciate. Thanks, dad. <laughs> I have standards. <laughs> <laughs> standards. Yes, sir. I don't have standards as you know (laughs) I mean I do now but we were really riding the bare minimum for a while I mean I say I have standards you've met both of my exes um would would you say either of my exes (laughs) met that standard that my dad um requires no but uh even though our bars are both quite low uh (laughs) I still think yours is higher than mine, considering that yeah. I imagine your exes at least out of something. Yeah. Out of my they two. Like, they would have like set something up. Probably not quite as elaborate as my dad, but my dad is kind of a hopeless romantic, dramatic, artsy guy, and he just kind of he'd be doing stuff like that. It's really cute. But oh yeah. At least one of the guys <laughs> I've dated, I probably wouldn't have heard from him. 
no, like I probably it's Valentine's Day. Why why do we need why do you care? We've only been dating for like six months. It's it's a time. It's a time. Ooh, okay. On a sadder note than Valentine's Day. I'm so sorry. I did not tell you before. Oh no. So uh, I was on Twitter today. Ouch, I hit myself on something. I'm sorry. Uh, I was on Twitter today and Christopher Plummer passed away today. So Christopher Plummer, uh, he's been in The Sound of Music, Star Trek, uh, but in relation to our podcast, he is Harlan in Knives Out. Oh no. He passed away today. Like the news came out like three or four hours ago so I'm so sad no I'm sorry yeah so since without him who knows we probably wouldn't even have would have started the podcast because that was like one of the first things we decided we were gonna watch Carl and up Mm -hmm. uh no not Carl he was the evil guy oh yeah 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 (laughs) Charles Muntz yes but I love that movie oh my goodness so a big R.I.P. And yeah. we're sending love to his family and we're thankful yeah. for all the, the wonderful things we've been able to see and enjoy because of his presence. So What a great career it sounds like he had. Mm-hmm. It's expansive. Like he has been in really awesome, meaningful stuff since mm-hmm. he was a young man all the way till, till now. So yeah. very sad, but yeah, what a, what a great career and hopefully happy life I hope he had but yes going back to Valentine's Day and uh you know how sometimes relationships can suck sometimes um we are reviewing uh, a movie called The One That I Love uh that came out in 2014 and we went on kind of an Elizabeth Moss kick this past weekend. We love her. So we'll also be reviewing The Invisible Man coming up shortly. Um, but yes, Elizabeth Moss stars in this movie. The name of her co-star escapes me. Allow me to Google it real quick. I am so sorry to her ghosts. <laughs> you did a phenomenal job and I'm sorry. Especially since uh, this doesn't make sense now, but there were two... <laughs> <laughs> played two different characters essentially mark duplis mark duplis i think that's how you say his name also shout out to ted danson for playing the therapist for literally five minutes that was fun us i love him <laughs> <laughs> yes but mostly this movie centers around the just the couple they are the majority of the movie um sophie and ethan are their names and The movie opens up with them in couples therapy and we learn that they're there because Ethan had previously cheated on his wife, Sophie, and they're there trying to work past it so they can save their marriage. But they're still experiencing a lot of tension and resentment in the relationship. So their therapist, played by Ted Danson, recommends that they go to a, uh, like kind of, not a resort but it's a really nice house oh it's Um, like um kind of like an airbnb is more what it it looks like airbnb but i didn't want to say oh 
no well no it's okay I'm just like because it you know it's a really nice fancy house and it's got like a garden and a pool and a little guest house mm-hmm. and, and they have it all to themselves mm-hmm, yeah and the therapist you know I guess he sends a lot of couples there to kind of get away for a while and kind of reconnect and he's hoping that this will kind of be like a last-ditch effort that will save their marriage so Sophie and Ethan get to the retreat and they are exploring the grounds and the house and it's just this beautiful idyllic California countryside kind of place and they have dinner together and after dinner Sophie where they're like you know eating pasta drinking wine they smoke a little weed they're having a good time Sophie makes her way outside to the guest house just kind of poking around and Ethan uh, shows up and they continue talking and having a really good time and then they wind up having sex on the couch in the guest house and they're still kind of just messing around and hanging out and Ethan suggests that they sleep in the guest house and Sophie says sure well I'm gonna go get my pajamas I don't want to sleep in my jeans she goes back to the main house to find Ethan passed out on the couch thinking he's playing a joke she asks him how he got there so fast Ethan seems to have no idea what she's talking about, doesn't remember that they've had sex, and it kind of causes a fight because Ethan does not remember having sex, and Sophie thinks he's just being a jerk and playing some stupid prank. The next morning, Ethan finds his way into the guest house, only to find Sophie there making him breakfast. And he mentions that it was a weird fight that they had the night before. And Sophie kind of avoids details about the fight, almost as if she doesn't really know what they fought about. Instead, trying to placate him with a breakfast of eggs and bacon, which surprises Ethan because, as he says, Sophie hates it when he eats bacon. Sophie and Ethan find out that it is not necessarily the real Sophie and Ethan in the guest house. Whenever one of them goes in, they are presented with an alternate version of their spouse. They make the decision to stay at the house and explore these alternate versions of their spouses in the guest house at Sophie's suggestion, just to see what (laughs) what they can discover about it. Over time, the alternate Sophie and Ethan both come face to face with the original Sophie and Ethan with the alternate Ethan and the original Ethan battling it out for the original Sophie both having fallen in love with her and only two we find out that only two people can leave the property and original Ethan is aiming for it to be him and original Sophie and that is who we think leaves the property in a lot of doppelganger fist-fighting confusion in a penultimate scene. Um, But we learn in the closing scene of the movie when Ethan's wife offers to make him breakfast and mentions that she's going to go cook some eggs and bacon that he, in fact, did not leave the ranch with the original Sophie, but instead the doppelganger. Would you say that's a fairly accurate summary, Erica? It's kind of a hard movie to <laughs> summarize. <laughs> yes, I think that's an accurate summary. And of course, per usual, um, uh, especially with this one, it's definitely worth a watch. It certainly makes yeah. more sense watching it, <laughs> you know. Definitely. It's a lot easier to follow the plot watching it than just hearing my kind of 
rambling summary. Sorry, I didn't write I didn't write the plot points down this time. That was off the cuff, ladies and gentlemen. I think that was good. (laughs) A plus off the cuff. Yeah, this was my second time through this movie. I really wanted Erica to watch it. Um, We had watched The Invisible Man and I said, oh, I know another great Elizabeth Moss movie. And for me, kind of going through it for the second time, there was a lot of things that I think... um, not necessarily little details that I noticed, but I think the first time watching it, I was so kind of overwhelmed by <laughs> what was happening <laughs> mm-hmm. that I didn't, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. You're going to have to cut this part out. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. Like, especially with a movie with so many twists and alternate versions of people who look exactly the same and are kind of only slightly different. I can see how like a first watch, you're just kind of like, okay, who's who and what's going on right now versus all the other little details. Yeah. And I think, I think kind of going back through it the second time, I was kind of asking, I think the first time I was caught up in a lot of the details of like the mechanics of it. And I was sort of like Ethan, he, you know, was very like, well, how are these people here? Like, what is time different in the guest house or what's happening why are they here what do they want and the second time through I think I was asking a lot more abstract questions which I think is probably more what they intended because it seems like a very artsy kind of (laughs) movie but for me you know it's a question you kind of oh I think everyone comes everyone who you know is interested in having a long-term relationship you need to ask yourself at some point do you love the person that you're with or do you love an idealized version of them that you have made up in your head Mm -hmm. because the idealized version of someone is never going to be reality and the reality of a person is is messy because people are messy And if you're going to make a relationship work with someone, you have to accept some of the things that maybe aren't as, as pleasant. Um, And I think initially when you watch this movie, um, because Sophie is really kind of enamored with this ideal version of Ethan that she meets in the guest house. And as an audience, you kind of are too, like he's, he's funnier and he's warmer and he's more engaging than Mm -hmm. a Oh, absolutely. Um, And then, uh, you know, quote unquote, ideal Sophie is kind of just flat and uninteresting and Ethan doesn't really connect with her. He's not really interested in connecting with her. Um, So right away, you kind of, you, you really like ideal Ethan and original Sophie as a couple way more than original Ethan or even Um, original Ethan and ideal Sophie yeah like they're not he just is not interested in connecting with this doppelganger version of his wife and I think at first I was kind of like oh it's because he doesn't want some fabricated ideal he wants the reality of his wife but as I watched on further, um, 
you know, I use the term ideal kind of loosely because even Sophie's ideal Ethan had still cheated on her, mm-hmm. um, but he was able to apologize for it. And, and they take were, responsibility. Yes. And they were able to move on and create a new relationship based on the foundation of his taking responsibility and saying, I still love you and want to make this work. Whereas original Ethan, it seems like he was really trying everything to kind of avoid taking any responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. And he kind of just wanted to ignore that it had happened and go back to the way things used to be. And I think that was, that had more to do with his rejection of the doppelganger Sophie than him being in love with the original Sophie. Because I think he more than anyone was in love with a fabricated idea that didn't exist anymore. He was in love with a memory, mm-hmm. a rose memory at that. And he just couldn't accept that he had kind of fucked everything up and things were going to look different look, moving forward, but it didn't necessarily mean they had to look bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you said that ideal Ethan was kind of more connecting, if that makes sense, or was more even willing to kind of try and make that connection yeah. versus uh real Ethan. He doesn't seem to want to connect at all. Like he, no. he wants, it seems like he wants more of the, surface level married couple uh connection Mm -hmm. and to me like versus Ethan not wanting to connect with ideal Sophie because it was a fabricated version to me I I don't think Ethan wanted to connect with any Sophie so it didn't matter (laughs) yeah no I agree um because once you get past the surface level things get complicated Mm-hmm. and that's I mean that's true of any relationship romantic or otherwise once you get past kind of the surface level affection you get into the complexities of who the person is mm-hmm. but ju- you know <clears throat> that's where a lot of the real problems lie is beneath the surface but that's also where real intimacy is and you can't you know you can't have the good without the bad you have to have to be willing to dive deeper and he just wasn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he was very performative if that makes sense because when the movie opens and they're in therapy he's talking about one of his most treasured memories of the two of them and it was the night that they first met and they go sneaking off from a party together to go jump in some stranger's pool and go swimming and they get caught and he was like it was just this amazing night we were so connected and it was this amazing rush of adrenaline and feelings and stuff it was the first night that they met and I'm sure they were having a good time it's just maybe he wanted to go back to that moment in particular because that was before they had any problems in their relationship because they'd only known each other for like two hours mm-hmm. and before and he that- even had to like know her to have these feelings if that makes sense like she he was just some chick and they could just be in love or whatever (laughs) yeah and it's it's not that those feel-good feelings aren't fun Mm -hmm. but they're not a foundation for anything substantial Mm -hmm. 
I think there are important moments in your relationship to keep connectedness and to keep intimacy, but that's not what she wanted at the time. She didn't want fun. She didn't want this rush of emotions. She wanted him to see her and see that she needed him to be emotionally present and Mm -hmm. take notice of her. And like, and that didn't even exclude fun because you know when she first goes into the guest house and she she doesn't know she's with ideal Ethan yet but they're having like a fun time and they're just goofing off and you know throwing grapes at each other and drinking wine and whatnot she seemed like a really fun person Mm -hmm. but in order to get there like okay that scene where they're like throwing grapes around and kind of having a good time and stuff was like right after they'd had sex Mm mm-hmm So it was kind of this more serious moment of intimate connection beyond before she yeah before she felt safe enough to kind of goof around and be be fun because she knew that wasn't the only only thing he was there for Mm -hmm. was just goofing off it's really interesting because I think it sort of presents itself as this movie that's going to be like a metaphor for choosing between the reality of a person and you know this fabricated ideal that you've made up and it's it's really more about just how Ethan's just kind of a dickhead (laughs) he he does suck and like even when he he knows his wife is is kind of it's kind of weird to say cheating on him because she's kind of not but she is you know she doesn't it's a little weird in that respect because it's it's him but it's not (laughs) it's interesting because when he says like when 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 they first figure out that they're both interacting with these kind of doppelgangers original Ethan asks Sophie he's like but is he a different person? Like, is he someone like pretending to be me? And she says, no, that's the crazy thing. He is you. And she's like, he's just a little bit more you. And that was, that's really interesting to me. And it's something I still kind of puzzle over because, you know, some might say that after everything that happened, Sophie was like done. She was ready for a new man. She didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. But that really kind of makes me think that she does love Ethan and she does want it to work. And she knows that he has the potential to be this version of himself. Maybe this is the version of himself that he was before, or maybe it's something she's only caught glimpses of, but it's it's almost like this version is him at his most fully recognized potential and most developed point as a person and I think she's done probably a lot of growing up and developing through their relationship and through the situation of him cheating on her and he has kind of had arrested development maybe sort of just stood still and I think maybe she just wants him to catch up with her Mm -hmm. I don't know what do you think I mean to me that makes sense because like so in in some aspect if that makes sense they've both slept with 
not the right. actual version, you know, not their actual selves. Uh, in Sophie's case, it's with ideal Ethan. And with Ethan's case, it's with a whole nother woman. And mm-hmm. like, to me, it's really interesting because when Sophie, you know, when Sophie kind of gets down to the affair, if that makes sense. And like, cause she, she's actually talking to ideal Ethan when she actually kind of initiates a conversation about it. Not that she hasn't before, cause that was a big part of their therapy session in the beginning right but when she asks about it she goes why she's she's not so much hung up on the fact that he slept with another woman as much as she wants to know why he felt like he had to go somewhere else or you know she she's trying to take that information and not only kind of process it for closure but also see try to you know, find some level ground on on what's missing to where he felt like he needed to go somewhere else. Right. Versus when Ethan kind of finds out about her um, kind of breaking their first rules or whatever and sleeping with ideal Ethan, there's none of that. <laughs> he doesn't even come to it. So like, she has no idea that he even knows for till like the very, almost the very end of the movie. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't want to talk about it. He just gets upset about it and kind of, shuts down yeah yeah and the way they I think that's indicative of kind of just the way they communicate with each other throughout the whole movie Sophie does seem very open to communicate about difficult things whereas Ethan instead of just mentioning he has a problem he kind of sneaks around behind her back a lot Mm -hmm. but I suppose it could also be argued that when he does say hey this is my line, don't cross it. She says word and then does cross it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're both at fault there. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. Would you say that you could see how these two were a good match at some point? I want to say yes. Maybe not deeply. I feel like I could see how they could have seen the potential Mm-hmm. and try to kind of run with it and I think part of it too is because I can kind of relate to that kind of relationship where there's kind of like this emotional maturity and emotional need that's not being met mm-hmm. for you know in lieu or I guess in opposition to kind of a surface level physical rush affectionate kind of thing that just goes away <laughs> afterwards if that makes sense you think um, he kind of fell in love with the potential of the relationship and he fell in love with like the rush he had when he was with her in the moment yeah mm-hmm. I think that's I guess that's yeah and I can see how they could have seemed like a good match or even they could have believed that they're a good match because I'm sure that it wasn't all bad no. um and like even like based on them, you know, jumping in the stranger's pool, it seems like Ethan does have some kind of fun side. So I'm sure they did have fun and, you know, got along to an extent. It's interesting. I kind of wish I could have seen more of them at the beginning of their relationship to kind of make a determination about this. Um, But just kind of speaking in general, I think girls are guilty of this a lot. I'm not saying it's only girls who do this, but I'm saying I I myself am guilty of this. I know a lot of girls who are guilty of this. They, we have a tendency to kind of look at a partner and 
see the quote unquote potential for what they could become. And we'll date them thinking we can kind of nurture them into that fullest potential. But you really shouldn't be with someone unless you are like, like who they are at that moment, if that's not enough for you, or if you're like, that's great, but I would just like to change this one thing. Or if they could just do this or be that way, that would be, they'd be amazing. They'd be perfect. You shouldn't be with them. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we as women, a lot of times are like, oh, we can fix them. No, if you think your partner needs to be fixed, why are you with them? <laughs> That's yeah. stressful to you and insulting to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of get it. Just because like, to me, sometimes I feel like it ends up being more of a, I guess, and this could be, like I said, I, I feel like I have some personal things attached to this movie and kind of this relationship dynamic because I feel like I've been in something similar. Mm-hmm. And to me, it feels more like um, because to me, I could see the potential in vibing with this person, and it wasn't so much that I wanted them to change. Because even like with Ethan, you know, it's she's you know, like she says, it's still him. Mm-hmm. But as much as that, you want them to have that same energy or that same emotional connection, or even like. We all, in certain relationships, I feel like we all, there's like a a bit of a give and take. And like, we all kind of have to communicate our needs. And sometimes it's hard when you're trying to communicate them and that person, it just doesn't seem like they can provide that. And you're kind of like, oh, and you know, you thought that there was, there'd be some wiggle room to kind of both reach out in a way, you know, like nothing's a, a deal breaker and you're never going to find somebody out there who is perfect. No. Um, Yeah. That, that I think is very astute. And I think you're actually right. That's probably more of what it was where they probably were a really good match initially. And I think, and again, this doesn't just apply to romantic relationships because I don't think I've necessarily been in a romantic relationship where this has happened, but definitely a friendship where this has where you're a really good match, you get along really, really well, and then something happens where someone messes up and you're willing to work through it with them, but responsibility needs to be taken. And if it's not taken, you can't you can't fix anything. Mm-hmm. Or even like meeting someone halfway, because like, yeah, situations aren't necessarily ideal. But if you'll kind of meet someone in the middle, you know, oh. it's fine. And and I don't know why sometimes, like, sometimes when I feel like people think about meeting in the middle, they kind of overshoot it. You know, I'm like, you don't have to like do you some grand to, gesture. Like, find that you cheated on me, or like, I don't know buy buy them a Lexus in a mansion because you yeah but being just the two of you being like okay you know it it doesn't necessarily have to be cheating but like okay this event happened I acknowledge that this hurt you I acknowledge that you did this for xyz reasons they might not be good reasons but I acknowledge that those were your reasons and I understand how you got to that point this is what happened these were the effects of it 
what do we want moving forward and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. Like that needs, that has to be a two-way street. And it's not that you can't acknowledge hurt feelings or, you know, yeah, it's kind of like you said, you have to meet in the middle. I think it's this tension of acknowledgement and forgiveness because as much as the person who's hurt wants their pain to be acknowledged, once it's acknowledged, you have to say, okay, I forgive you and then move on. You can't keep holding it over their head, which Sophie, I, I do think does a lot in the movie. Like she was bringing up, what was it? She brought up something from like three years ago. She was talking about a magic show or whatever. Oh yeah. And she was like, do you remember the magic show when you kept ruining all the magician's tricks and I couldn't enjoy it at all? And he's like, you remember how we talked about how the magic show is like three years ago and we don't need to talk about mm-hmm. it anymore. <laughs> like, that is such a pet peeve of mine, especially over something that stupid. I'm like the grudge holding. I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do be like that. It's like, it's Waffle House all over again. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, Especially like small, you know, like it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> I'm like thinking, I'm like, do I hold grudges? Because I definitely hold grudges, but I don't know if I hold them like that. Do I hold grudges like that? Yeah. Sometimes. <gasps> oh no! No, 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 no. Let me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> you let me explain. You do not hold Waffle House type grudges against people you actually care about. Now, but I should explain the Waffle House. I had, I I had an acquaintance who found out that I did not like Waffle House and had not told them because they really liked Waffle House, and I was fine with just going and getting coffee, and I didn't mind going. Um, and my mom let it slip to them that I was not a big fan of Waffle House, and they were so angry at me, <laughs> and they would bring it up like a year and a half later. They were so salty about it, even though I explained. I was like, well, I didn't want to say anything because you really liked Waffle House. And mm-hmm. like, I didn't want you to feel bad for like wanting to go. Exactly. I was like, because I'm perfectly content to just go and sit and drink coffee or like eat a biscuit. There's stuff there that I'll eat. It's just not my favorite. So angry. So supremely furious. But okay. Hold on, I need to explain. You do not do things like that to me or anyone else that you care about that I have seen. However, (laughs) occasionally, I think you can take things very personally from people who aren't even really a part of your life, like random coworkers who you will never see again. You are still so angry at over like just petty, stupid shit that they said because they're petty, stupid people. You take sometimes you just take it so personally and it, it it just makes you so angry. And I don't know what to say to you beyond they don't matter because they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're never gonna see again. I and don't know. Who knows you listens to them, but you just, you're like my honor has been insulted like Prince Zuko. <laughs> I do. I I, I I try to work through it and it's probably something that I'm probably gonna have to like receive help for at some point um just because I I know I care I I definitely care a lot a lot a lot about what other people think of me not so much to the point of being like fake 
if that makes no, sense. No, you're not fake but, at all. But I, I never want people, I, I never want people to dislike me. I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. I don't want people to perceive me as the bad guy in situations. And not only does that get me into just personal trouble, because sometimes you do have to be a bad guy to a certain person. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you're actually bad. You it just, just look that way. perception of the situation. Yeah. Even you if you're like guy. setting a boundary or being like, no, you don't get to do this anymore or whatever. So I just don't do those things. Um, but I also don't, I don't know. I just... I don't mean to come for your neck. I'm just no, saying. No, it's valid them. and related. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me a bad quality of mine. <laughs> oh, come on. I have so many. <laughs> uh, um, I know I've known you for five years, but I just think you're great. Stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. And like, I feel like maybe there are like some things but I just don't even think about them in the grand scheme of you being my bestie because I love you my bestie okay I'll talk about a bad quality of mine um because this is a relationship themed episode I'll go ahead and, and talk about one um I'm terrible with boundaries I'm awful because and I don't know if I still do this I I don't think I do this as much anymore um I have I have you know learned and grown as a person but in I've mentioned I have I have two exes and in both of those relationships I and I I did this I fully admit it I'm sorry if either of you were listening my bad that was my fault um I would do this thing where I would say hey here's my boundary if you know we had to to draw a line um, maybe on how much time we were spending together or, uh, an unhealthy pattern of communication or a way we were interacting with each other. I would say, okay, this is a healthy boundary to set. We're going to set this boundary. And they would agree and be like, totally a hundred percent, even if it's hard and sad, like we'll respect this boundary. And then I would panic and be like, oh no, this boundary means that we can't be like completely you know intimate or whatever or I would just panic and be like but I want to do it you know (laughs) and I would cross my own boundaries and that was very confusing to my partners (laughs) because they'd be like but you said but you said this and I'd be like I know that's what I said ignore that (laughs) So that's a bad quality of mine. I don't think I do it as much anymore because I'm going to say no based on <laughs> I'm going to say no based on how it went, you know. I, don't, I definitely don't think I've ever done that in our friendship. Mm-mm. Oh no. Um, no. Yeah, but a lot of bad situations came from that. Um, I was also in a very different place at that time, but now I think I'm at a point where if I'm setting a boundary, it's because I want it there and mm-hmm. I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, when you're 18 and an idiot, not yeah, great. especially like, like for both in both of our cases, those were kinds of the kind of the first relationships and like the first dives into first, something more serious. Yeah, you make a lot of mistakes in your first relationship. 
which, you know, you're learning. Because mm-hmm. I know I just didn't even communicate boundaries. I communicated badly because I was afraid that if I communicated that they wouldn't like me anymore. And rather than taking that in my head as, well, if I set these boundaries and they leave, goodbye, like they should leave, like I should yeah. let them go. Like, obviously, you know, they're not for me or, right. you know, in some cases, obviously they suck, <laughs> but well, yeah, I mean, mine was bad. Cause I would set the boundary and they'd be like, okay, I respect that. And then I'd backpedal and be like, wait, but what if they resent me for the boundary? <laughs> And they're like, I'm throwing out the boundary. And they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. We don't need those. My friends were like, you need those. And I was like, no, I don't. Hush. I'm breaking boundaries. This is a free range relationship. Non-GMO organic. (laughs) I was going to say, all I can see is a bunch of chickens. Free range, baby. And like, I know I've on this podcast, I've probably joked about my exes a couple of times, but they're, they're genuinely good people, really great people. I don't have any lasting beef with them. I just joke about it because they were like the first, you know, the first couple relationships, they can be a little rocky because you, you're both still learning. They were the first, um, ni- none of my exes had had like a lot of relationships, neither had I. And we were like, we know how to do this. No. <laughs> That's very emotionally mature of you. Um, I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, no. yeah. I I don't know. And some of it is from weird stuff. Like I know I've told you this story, but one of them, I, I don't know what to call it because <laughs> it wasn't as bad as it could have been but it was still probably bad. And it's one of those things where I was like, oh, you know, I think that left a lasting scar in my psyche. And I just Before didn't want to think about it. In that vein, which situation are you talking about? Are you talking about the stalking guy? No, <laughs> no, I never. mad at him. No, I, I never really dated either of them. Cause in both cases, I was like, well, we could just be friends and vibe and, you know, that would be cool. And you know, if something happens after that, then whatever. And they were like, cool. So I should follow you and try to become your friends on social media so I can stalk you in. And I'm like, no. No. Were you but, talking um, about like the official ex then? Um, I, I consider that I had two official exes and it was the first one. So I guess I can kind of talk about it. You don't have to. Like, no, it's not bad. And like, it, bothers me but it's not like I'm gonna cry or anything like it doesn't bother me and and it's not super traumatic because so um my first ex kind of assaulted me (laughs) um it didn't go far there was no like um you know it didn't go far but it was more like I was like please don't kiss me please don't touch me and they just completely disregarded it and the only way I got out of that situation was um Oh, this is gonna sound so dumb because we were we were on a bus. I did know about this. Yep. Yeah, I and say, I was afraid to say anything. Glad to be annoyed at them too. Yeah, uh, they were they were very well liked, and I I just was not. And you know, I was in high school, and so I was afraid that if I said something, people would talk about it, people wouldn't believe me, or people would blame me because like oh 
so-and-so was doing this and that's why we can't sit on the bus together <laughs> like you know because like we had had situations where that happened and they wouldn't let guys and girls sit on the same bus mm-hmm. Uh, but in my case, I was like, no, stop. And, but it didn't, it didn't go that far, but it was still not great. Um, that's, uh, no, uh, fuck that Should guy. I, Should I warn somebody? I mean, even if it was nothing, quote unquote, that bad, you like, said no, and they were still trying to have, you know, push, push you further than you wanted to go. I didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> no doubt. No. Yeah, you were like, I don't want to go anywhere. And they're like, we're going. And you were like, we're on a bus. Ma'am, this is a Wendy's. I don't. Not to mention that um, while this was happening, so we had kind of talked before, like kind of talked, kind of not really officially dated. And that kind of fizzled out. And we were like, whatever. And, you know, we had started kind of being friends and getting a little closer in my, you know, in my head as friends. Mm -hmm. um, And they were actually dating another friend of mine at the time. Uh, It wasn't any like weird, like stole my man, stole my ex. It was, you know, it was all, it was communicated. I didn't care. She didn't care. It was fine. Uh, But at that point he was like trying to cheat on her with me. And I was like, I don't want you to touch me or anything like that. Like, please leave me alone. It was a mess. Um, and I actually never told her because I was afraid if I told her, she wouldn't believe me. Well, <laughs> and that she'd hate me and think that I had tried something and uh, uh, it was a mess. Well, I'll tell you right now, if something like that ever happens with someone I'm dating, I will not hate you. Uh, I would probably be pretty annoyed at them because that's kind of shady. <laughs> yeah. I would not be upset yeah. with you at all. <laughs> My God. It was just weird. And like, since we had kind of, you know, since we had been close, kind of in a romantic way in the past, I I was like, I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. So my exes are pretty cool. Um, <laughs> fuck that guy, though. Yeah, my other ex. Um, uh, he was just annoying. <laughs> okay, so none of my friends liked him, for one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I never even met this man. No, wait, I did. Yeah, I was gonna say technically you did, and um, I didn't like him then either. When we were kind of together, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna get into that. It's complicated. I don't know. But when we were kind of together, um, he was very nice to me. Um, I have since heard a very long track record. <laughs> where that was not the case for other people who used to know him or knew him earlier before we had become close so or you know I guess it's kind of close there was, yeah there was that where he would be kind of skeezy to other to other people earlier on in college but he also just big vibes of like the kid who would Naruto run through the cafeteria in middle school but I was the kid who would Naruto run through the cafeteria in middle no, school no 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 no, no, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Unwashed, greasy, Naruto running through the cafeteria, like calling people libtards and snowflakes, making like really insensitive jokes and then being like, it's just dark humor. I can't deny that. And honestly, uh, 
like I said, we had kind of conversations. Like we did kind of talk. Um, and he absolutely admitted to me. He's like, no, I was like an asshole. Um, I was like, okay. <laughs> but you know, I was like, well, I, I was trying to be like, it, it's I'm always a little nerve wracking when you go, hey guys, this is who I'm talking to right now. And they're like, hey, I know that guy. Didn't they do this and this? And you're like, oh. And like, it wasn't like anything insanely bad. Like no <laughs> criminal charges should have been taken to university no, court or like, anything. <laughs> just some just kind of general like, kind of maybe skeezy behavior. And I was like, well, you can grow out of that and things can change. And I, I based on how they had treated me at the time uh, and my perception of things, I don't think he treated me that way, but I definitely don't think it was a relationship that was going to work. I think we had very different things that we wanted from it and it just wasn't going to line up. Uh, So I guess I'm not bitter about that one, uh, but some other people are. (laughs) I'm not bitter about it. Well, no, not like, I don't think you're bitter about it. If me and maybe some other people had been closer, I think they might've been bitter about it. Not so much of me dating him, but just bitter about him. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I'm not trying to oust people's dirty laundry. So that's all I'm going to say. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it's nothing bad, but you know, I don't. We all maybe have. When you hear things, you should just, you should just. We all have at least one like really embarrassing ex or like crush from like in the past I don't know that any of my exes are super embarrassing I have been told some of them are I disagree um I did however have we never dated uh but it was someone I knew in high school who wrote me a short story all those memes about like artsy indie guys like writing poems and songs for you and stuff and them just being completely cringy I will never recover (laughs) absolutely 10 out of 10 it was absolutely like that um I've definitely read it to Erica which (laughs) I only read it to Erica because she does not know this person I I wasn't trying to like make fun of a mutual friend that we both knew I I wouldn't do that yes And everything, everything up to now is ambiguous enough to where the only person who might know who we're talking about is that person. (laughs) No, yeah, that's probably the only person who know what we were talking about. But it was one of those things where I, I had to show her, just be like, I need someone else to acknowledge that this happened to me. (laughs) I'm like, I'm acknowledging it. And it, it hurts. It secondhand hurts. (laughs) It was so long too. It's like 20, 25 pages. And it's always worse because at that time you remember that you had the dedication to put up with that. I, it's probably not even dedication. Like you just had the misguidance to deal with that. And you're like, Ooh. I had to read to the end because I just wanted to keep going down the list of things he was comparing me to. You, th- you think you've been objectified. Mm. I've never been compared to a puppy. <laughs> like, Wow thanks oh no you're giving me you're giving me flashbacks on second thought maybe <laughs> maybe what's kind of a dick to me oh i don't know uh th- <laughs> there are cringy things that happen in your life that you replay over and over in your mind about that particular ex and i think mine is when i sat down 
and we talked and he was asking me it didn't get to this point creepily but I was talking about like I have tattoos and I have piercings right um and it wasn't like creepy I I think he'd asked about it because I said something about going to get tattooed or whatever and I mentioned that I had you know I have my ears pierced I have my nose pierced now um Mm -hmm. and I have my belly button pierced and when I said that he went ugh (laughs) and you know things continued after that I probably should have gone up gotten up and left I completely forgot about that that one did kind of hurt at the time I was like wow okay ouch dang all right I mean I like it but okay I don't even know why he was upset about it because he certainly didn't get anywhere near close to seeing it. So I don't know what his... It's okay. One of my exes asked me if they should get a lip ring and I said, no. And they said, do you think I would look good with a lip ring? And I said, no, please don't get it. They were asking you. That's different. Well, they asked me and then they got it and they said, do you like it? And I said, no. And they were really mad at me and I was like, I told you wouldn't like it I was gonna say (laughs) he asked all three of those times and you were like yo man I'm gonna be honest with you all three of those times this was completely unprompted I would I just (laughs) said oh yeah and then I got this and he said "Ugh." and then we continued like I we just the fact that you just let that roll by and said I really did I like looking back I'm like you know that was really not nice This is what we mean. Men can openly gag in front of her about things that she has on her body. And she's like- That aren't gross. Yeah, I say that like, no, like earrings or hair color. And they're like, and she's like, understandable, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Because that felt weird. Because, you know, it felt like a, yeah, I bang that. And then it's like, oh, that's that's points off. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. Nobody's perfect, <laughs> and he I'm sure. Bad because if he got his belly button pierced, he was so skinny that the ring would have just gone right through to his. No, no. <laughs> yeah, would have. And you know, we're not perfect. Good I absolutely wrote poems for like my very first. I like boyfriend. scrawny men. I am a big fan of scrawny men. That man. <laughs> that man was one exhale away from becoming dust <laughs> he you can't see me but i'm doing the mouth head. thing that you see on tiktok where you just cover him inhaling air was the only thing that kept him from being flat stanley once again my friends didn't really like him but you know me smitten <laughs> I like to see the good in everything. Another one of my toxic traits is I am just ruthlessly mean about Erica's ex when I don't think she's ever said anything mean about mine other than she would fight them. Which I, I would fight them. I They don't need to be fought, but in the moment, I was upset. So no, they, they did need to be fought. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't need to be fought like all the time like it wasn't on site like they gradually it's, it's got to the like point a, where i should fight not like a, oh we're fighting at high noon you you gonna catch these hands it's more like a you you take off the leather glove and do one like bitch slap to the yeah. face and then we're good like yeah a hand <laughs> wants probably to also throw fists with dudes i've dated like it's not <laughs> i'm sure they both have best friends 
who would also like to bitch slap me in the face once, which is fair. I'm going to say I hope not, but that's because in both cases, uh, we either had fairly mutual friends who kind of already kind of knew some of the shady behavior for the first one. For the second one, I don't, I didn't really know his friends, which is like, I just didn't, it didn't go on long enough or well enough for me to have gotten close with any of his friends beyond, hi, I've seen you before. (laughs) I met you once, I think. Some tea is that most of his friends did not like him. That's going to be a really shitty way to find out <laughs> find out about that if he ever. I'm going to say we're off the radar enough to where this will never go back past our, years. Our whole, like one listener every podcast. Do we have listeners on this podcast? I never even We asked. do. Really? Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> I don't. I don't know who they are if they're consistent, but we do get. It has to be more than just our family members. That's exciting. It's a, hey. it's a, it's a, it's a decent, we're getting there. Got very off topic in this episode. I know, hopefully you guys will stay. Hopefully you're still here. I think one day we're just going to have to do a like tea on our lives episode. I know, a banter tea episode. There's a lot of tea. So much tea. I think you've seen my condensed speed run of all my college tea before. I had a bunch of friends out from college over who weren't in my like inner circle in college, but we were still friends and like um, they were asking me questions about it and Erica was there. I was like, all right, starting freshman year, here we go. Condensed speed run of events. Takes about an hour. <laughs> oh yeah, and there were... I and that some people laugh at me every time I say it, but they were shook nasty. They were shook. Where did I get that from? It's like a YouTube channel or a YouTuber or something. I, I haven't. I cannot I remember love, who it is. I love doing it though with people who were like on the fringes of the events that happened, like they were, because they never knew the full story until I told them, and they're always like shook nasty, like you said. Like, yeah, it was kind of a lot of things that happened, but that's okay. Anyways, maybe one day I will grace you all with the inside scoop. <laughs> DM me on Twitter. <laughs> Bless. Red. But, um, killers and chicks on Twitter. <laughs> okay, Erica. <laughs> I guess to tie it back. <laughs> we've had experiences with some some Iraqi relationships and it is definitely very possible uh, and personal experiences of experiences of ours of being with people where you thought you were a good match and you thought it would work out and it really wasn't neither neither party could I guess maybe provide or but relationships are hard they're hard work Mm -hmm. and in order to make them successful you got to meet in the middle. Yep. It's important to talk about what you need and know what you need. And in this case, uh, in this case, like, I don't know. I, I felt, I don't know. I just, I think one of the things I'm trying to deal with is that I'm just really, really sympathetic towards Sophie. I just sympathize with her the whole movie. And even at the end, I'm like. Ugh. Erica and I even kind of looked at each other in the middle of this movie and we're like, are we just more into her and this guy because he's like pandering to the female desires or something like I don't know if it's pandering I don't know what it is 
I don't know if it makes me narrow-minded or biased. I'm team Sophie. <laughs> I am. And like, maybe it's not pandering because like Mark Duplass, the guy mm-hmm. who plays Ethan, he's not like an unattractive dude, but no. I don't find him attractive in that way. No. So it wasn't like I was like drooling over him the whole time. No, he's, he's, and he's not unattractive, like conventionally unattractive at all. Um, but yeah, he's not somebody who I would say I'm, I would like look at him and be like, Ooh, I'm, he's so hot, you know, kind of thing. So that's definitely not an influence, but I think at least for you and me, um, for you and me, it's not as much about looks. It's more about, um, don't give me that look. (laughs) I'm not looking any type of way. (laughs) It's more about like the personality and how they interact with us and engage with us. And he was very emotionally present and intelligent and engaging. And that's why we liked him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why we liked Sophie together. And I have a hard time with things like this because I grew up being told not to expect men to have any kind of emotional intelligence or to understand me. And that all romance novels and movies and stuff were an exaggeration and no man will ever get you like that. And I would like to say, I think that is true to an extent. <laughs> that you can't expect men or women or anyone to read your mind. Mm-hmm. No one's going to do that. And I think, you know, it's unrealistic to expect someone who's like perfect for you in every way. And he always knows what I'm thinking. But there's got to be a little bit of emotional competency there. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of the people who told me that sometimes I was like, like, are you good? Like, are you and your husband good? <laughs> y'all like, mm-hmm. y'all need to talk? <laughs> and it's definitely, it's one of those things where I feel like I chase because I guess I feel bad to say this. I'm not trying to like shame you. I feel like I grew up kind of the opposite. <laughs> You're not shaming. And, and okay, I'm like I didn't want to make you like feel bad, but I'm not um, responsible for my parenting. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say my pa- I feel like my parents are still the opposite into me. They're like, you know, um, so I you feel like I'm always chasing so that, and I'm trying to find that in some form for myself. I'm hesitant to say this. I don't think my parents listen to this, but if you do, sorry, mom and dad. This is what I think. Um, I think your parents and my parents have very different relationships though and I think that kind of translates into what they told us to expect growing up Mm. your parents are very they're very close and they're very secure in their relationship to the point where you know they can live apart from each other and still have a very healthy functioning marriage which is impressive I don't think there's a lot of couples who could do that and they they just are very affectionate towards each other and not necessarily in like a lovey-dovey kind of way but they tease each other and they laugh together and like you know they're Mm -hmm. very clearly like that's their person you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and I guess I should say that like um my parents uh I guess currently we cut all of our family's a little scattered and we all live apart mainly because of work and or school reasons Mm -hmm. so we're just yeah, kind of it's not like it's not like her parents are like you know what I just need some space for me <laughs> I hate looking at you but I guess we can live here. 
it's just like that's just kind of how circumstances are but they make it mm-hmm. work and you know that's again impressive and my parents not, they love each other I, if mom and dad are listening I love you I love you both and they love each other however their initial pre-marriage relationship like when they were dating it wasn't it wasn't a very long relationship they went on two dates and they got engaged um a decision I think at least for from what my mom has told me for her was based in a lot of practicality practical thinking not as my parents aren't very emotion-based people Mm. so they to the point where they almost discount it entirely so I think growing up that's a lot of why they were like don't rely on the emotional aspect of a relationship, the practical aspects of it are way more important. But I think that was to the detriment of like, you know, the emotions are still important though, mm-hmm. at least to me. I know there's a lot of people who are married, they marry purely for practical reasons. They have a great marriage, it works. They might not be super lovey-dovey in love with each other, but you know, they love their partner and it works. Um, that's maybe not necessarily the kind of marriage I'm aiming for, mm-hmm. um, but it was the kind of marriage I was raised to be okay with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does that? Oh sound yeah. Too- no, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to like rag on anyone or my parents or anything. I think that's just kind of the narrative that I was raised with. If that oh, makes yeah. sense. So, <laughs> I guess I'll find out if my mom and dad listen to this because I'm sure there will be conversation about it. No. <laughs> I love you, mom and dad. You guys are cool. You're great. It's wonderful. Um, so <laughs> uh, what would you rate the one that I love out of a dozen red roses for Valentine's Day? Um, a dozen ideal, not really roses, red roses. <laughs> ideal versions of roses. Twelve ideal roses. Yes. <laughs> I would agree, actually. I love this movie. Good yeah. time. Well, and I just it's definitely something that I feel like I could watch again. It had me, it really had me the whole time. Like at no point was I like, what is going on? Or this is stupid or whatever. I just, and like, it's, it's just a fun, dark comedy. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah. And for a plot that's not super action packed, I was engaged pretty much the entire time. Mm -hmm. And great performances from both Elizabeth Moss and uh, Dublis. You're going to hear more about that because Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss powerhouse so cool she's so great I I think she's genuinely one of the best actresses of of our time Mm -hmm. very good very good so thank you for sticking around uh to the end of this episode I know there was a lot of um a lot of personal anecdotes but Mm -hmm. hopefully they tied in somewhat to the theme of this movie for those of you who have a partner, lover, spouse, I hope you have a great Valentine's Day hanging out mm-hmm. with them, doing something as casual or extravagant as you would like. And for all of you singles out there, I hope you treat yourself to a great day on Valentine's Day and remember that you are your first Valentine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go buy yourself some CVS chocolate. Day mm-hmm. after Valentine's though <laughs> oh yeah get it all on sale your wallet too <laughs> get my wallet my true valentine <laughs> 
I, I hope my wallet's not my Valentine. I was about to say, I do not be treating her right. right. I'm going to go. We are not. I'm using and abusing my wallet. <laughs> like, dang. My wallet is more like, uh, I can't be witty right now. No, it's okay. Anyways, we love y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Join us and- next as we talk about, or next episode, as we talk about Elizabeth Moss's other great movie of 2019, The Invisible Man. Yes. And just as an extra aside, feel free to connect or interact with us. If you, you know, if you like some of this more personal antidote, let us know. And, you know, we can sprinkle some more in there or whatever. Uh, And you can find us on Twitter at and thrillers chillers and chicks yes or on tiktok uh-huh at thrill chill chicks you're gonna do those uh spooky tiktok <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> it's it's I gonna be made, i am in charge of our social media i have made one tiktok which was fun and then i haven't touched it since i promise i will <laughs> Yes, we I I have some ideas and it's going to be um related to the podcast and movies mm-hmm. and the stuff we talk about. So, hopefully you guys will like that and hopefully uh you know, you'll bring your friends or more people will hear about us. So, well, we love you all. We yes. hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, happy Valentine's Day and stay spooky. Stay spooky. <laughs>